story of Joseph is a beloved story of a child who exalted himself before his family, saying that they ought to bow down before him. Then he was humbled, even betrayed by his brothers when he was sold into slavery, even ending up in an Egyptian prison to be seemingly forgotten forever. But in that place, he receives a prophetic revelation from his father in heaven that allows him to be exalted out of that prison, to be seated at the right hand of Pharaoh, second in charge in all of Egypt. And as he is now in charge, he foresees by prophetic revelation again from God that there is coming a famine upon Egypt for seven years. And as he prepares, no one else in the land is prepared and people from all over the land would be coming to Joseph to get grain as Joseph is in charge of the grain storage. But now, as Joseph sees many, many people, one day familiar faces appear. It is his brothers. The ones who actually betrayed him so severely, selling him into slavery, causing him to end up in prison, causing him to not see his father, causing him to be cut off, causing his life to have been destroyed the way it was. His brothers, what mercy or Joseph to have for them. And here they are before him. The story that is about to be told parallels the life of Jesus Christ, Yeshua, extremely profoundly. But today I want to specifically focus on how this parallel informs us about the coming second coming of Christ, the imminent end times tribulation and the judgment to follow. Not only was it that Joseph was betrayed by his brothers of Israel, but Yeshua was betrayed by his brothers in Israel when he was ultimately crucified for the sins of the world. He went down into prison, the deaths of Gehenna. And just as the disciples thought that things are over and that Yeshua would just become a footnote of history, He resurrects from the dead and he is seated at the right hand of his father, just as Joseph out of prison, if you will, is quote unquote resurrected to be seated at the right hand, to be second in charge of all of Egypt. But just as these parallels have occurred, further parallels occur. We see now that Joseph When his brothers come into contact with him, he wants to test them to see whether they have changed the way they behave or whether they are still doing things the way they did, whether they still betray people the way they betrayed him. What Joseph decides to do is he, as his brothers depart from him, asks one of his servants to plant a cup in one of the brothers. And as the brothers depart, the servant is to follow them, confront them and accuse them 
of having stealed this cup from Joseph. We then read in Genesis 44, verse 12. And he searched, beginning with the eldest and ending with the youngest, and the cup was found in Benjamin's sack. What would the brothers do after this happened? Would they say, yes, it was Benjamin. He stole it. Take him away from us. It's not our fault. He did it. Let us just go, but take Benjamin. Or did they have a change of heart? His brothers chose wisely. They instead say, don't take Benjamin. Please don't take Benjamin. Take us. In fact, Joseph was testing to see whether they would do to Benjamin what they did to Joseph. Also remember that Benjamin is Joseph's blood brother. The only two of their mother and the other brothers or half brothers from other mothers. Not only was Joseph looking out if they would do the same to Benjamin, but he was also looking to see whether they would allow themselves to hurt their father the same way all over again by causing one of their father's children to be taken and snatched away as Joseph was. Ultimately, this is a parallel of how when Yeshua sees us and we come to him and say, we repent of our sins, we turn from this sin we have done in our past, he will test us. He will see whether we will do the same thing again if we are tempted in the same way again. He will even allow us to be tempted in order to see whether our repentance was true. See, brother and sister, it's not just enough to say, Jesus, forgive me for what I have done. I have made a mistake. But when the same situation happens in our lives again, will we fall into the same sin again? Will we or our actions follow the same pattern of sin again? Or will we change our path of life like Joseph's brothers did choose to do to live a life more sacrificial, looking out for others instead of only looking out for our own interests? But why was there such extreme favor on Benjamin of all the brothers from Joseph? We see, for example, how Joseph showed favor when he gave him a portion. Genesis 43:34. portions were taken to them from Joseph's table. But Benjamin's portion was five times as much as any of theirs. They drank and were many merry with him. Or Genesis 45:14. Then he fell upon his brother Benjamin's neck and wept. And Benjamin wept upon his neck. Or Genesis 45, 22, to each and all of them, he gave a change of clothes. But to Benjamin, he gave 300 shekels of silver and five changes of clothes. Joseph's brothers worked on each other with peer pressure, convincing one another to sell Joseph into slavery. They betrayed him before men. And in this parallel, what we see is that Yeshua says, Jesus says that if you acknowledge me before men, you will be acknowledged before my father. But if you do not acknowledge me, if you deny me, if you betray me before men, you will not be acknowledged before my father. In fact, just as Benjamin received a double portion from uh, Joseph for having never partaken 
in betraying him. So we will receive a double portion from our Yeshua, our Father, if we never played a part in betraying Yeshua. But now I want you to see one other thing about Benjamin. While Joseph went as he was sold into slavery and fell into prison and suffered a horrendous life of trial and tribulation before his exaltation. See, we see that his law, his blessings of of power and wealth and everything that Joseph received came at great cost of suffering. Benjamin, on the other hand, did not have that same tribulations. He instead received all of these blessings from Joseph and others in his life without the same tribulations. And that's why when the blessing of Benjamin's father is spoken over him, it goes like this. Genesis 49, 27. Benjamin is a ravenous wolf in the morning, devouring the prey and at evening, dividing the spoil. What this means is that Benjamin would become someone never satisfied, never having enough, always wanting to devour more and more and more and more in this pursuit of materialism at the cost of others, this feeling of entitlement. Why? Because perhaps it is that Benjamin had things handed to him in many ways without great cost of suffering. And this lesson shows us that it's better to be a Joseph than a Benjamin. It's better even if in the moment trial and tribulation is difficult and hard and, and something that we don't want to face. It's better to go through that and then receive blessing because we will be grateful for what we have and we will be more cheerful and eager to share our blessings with others as Joseph shared with Benjamin. But now I want to take you to the moment that all these brothers are standing before Joseph and Joseph is about to make judgments. He has the opportunity right now to take revenge on his brothers. But as they stand before him, what Joseph does is he commands all of the Egyptians to leave the room, leaving only the brothers of Israel. We read in Genesis 45, 1, then Joseph could not control himself before all those who stood by him. He cried, make everyone go out from me. So no one stayed with him when Joseph made himself known to his brothers. This is a parallel picture of how Joseph is sending out the Egyptians, the enemies of Israel, while keeping Israel, the brothers in the room, and this picture is of how Yeshua will separate the sheep, that is God's people, Israel, from the goats, the pagan nations, the ungodly. This distinction, this separation is also talked about at the second coming, something that Yeshua will be doing. The final judgment. Matthew 25, 31, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he'll sit on his glorious throne, just as Joseph sat. And before him will be gathered all the nations and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right and the goats on the left. And Yeshua tells us 
how he will be making this judgment, what he will be looking to to make this separation. So if you want to be part of the sheep and not be part of the goats, this is what you need to look for. He says in Matthew 25, 35, I was hungry. You gave me food. I was thirsty. You gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked. You clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Yeshua said what you do to the least of those in this world, you do unto me. Are we clothing the naked, feeding the hungry, giving a drink to the thirsty, welcoming the stranger, visiting those in prison? These are what he says, the things that he will judge us by. Think about it. He could have said, you who keep the feasts, you who eat right, you who do this, you who do that. And uh, there are many good and wonderful things, many religious works, many commandments to keep. Amen. But what does he talk about? How we treated our neighbor. That is what he focuses on. We need to ensure that we're focused on what he is focused on above all. Why does it help? We have all these religious duties and rituals and works that we do and fulfill like many of the Pharisees of the first century did. But yet we have no love for our neighbor. Instead, we don't even want to consider anyone or neighbor, but those whom we find easy to love. No. Yeshua has called us to love even the sinner and those who are sick and broken and those who have committed murder, those who are in prison. Those are those we are to show kindness to, not just those whom it is easy to show kindness to. Next, I want to read to you about how Joseph wept aloud before his brothers in Genesis 45 two, and he wept aloud so that the Egyptians even heard it and the household of Pharaoh heard it. And even his brothers, of course, standing before him, heard it as Joseph is sitting on his throne, making judgments in this moment and decisions as to what to do with his brothers and so forth. He is weeping because of everything that has transpired, the sins that were done against him, the fact that his brothers are now before him and the fact that he's been separated from them. And all of these difficult things are just filling up his heart with sorrow and love at the same time. And I want to submit to you that when Yeshua judges the world and he will come back to judge the world, he will come back with tears in his eyes and weeping, weeping, for all the things that we did against him, for all the betrayals we've done against him, selling him into slavery, committing him into prison, causing him to have to die for our sins. And there are some that will be thrown into the fire because of their ungodly and unrepentant deeds. And even in that, Yeshua will weep. But see, the world thinks of Yeshua as so loving that he's a God that would never judge them for their unrighteous deeds. But they fail to see that it is actually Yeshua's intense love that causes him to bless the righteous, but have righteous judgment on the unrighteous, giving them the full wrath of what they deserve. He is here to build a new kingdom 
that is different from this world. This world allows evil to flourish, but he will no longer allow any of that to happen when his kingdom is set up. This is why Revelation 21 4 says when all is said and done, he will wipe away every tear from our eyes. There will be no more death, no more crying, no more mourning, no more suffering. But I want to submit that a lot of these tears may just be shed for the sins of the world that we will all be hearing about on that day of judgment. As all things were coming to light, every secret sin, every hidden device of man, and some will be determined to be a goat and some determined to be a sheep, part of his people. He wishes for all to come to repentance. In fact, that's why he has not come back yet. This air we're breathing is air of mercy. This oxygen that we are breathing is time on our hands, but it is running out and there will be no more time to conceal our sins. So today is the day to really get it all out in the light, repent of them, turn from them so that when Yeshua comes to test you, you won't fall back into your old patterns of sin again. And now I want to read to you the moment that Joseph reveals his full identity to his brothers. We read in Genesis 45, 3, Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still alive? But his brothers could not answer him, for they were dismayed at his presence. So Joseph said to his brothers, come near to me, please. And they came near and he said, I am your brother, Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. How incredible it is that all this time Joseph is right in front of his brothers, up close, speaking with them and they don't recognize him. They're so close to the brother they betrayed, yet so far at the same time. And I want to submit to you, that's how it is with the sons of Israel of today. Many of our Jewish brothers and sisters who do not know Yeshua, they saw him in the flesh, walking among them in Jerusalem, born of a Jew, living as a Jew among them, dying as a Jew and being resurrected from the dead as the Messiah. And yet by many, by multitudes, still not recognized, even as far as them singing the Amidah all the time, calling on the return of the Messiah and the hope of the resurrection of the dead, but still not seeing the one who has resurrected from the dead and promised to resurrect us from the dead. And that's why in the scriptures it is written about this event that Yeshua will come before them all and they will mourn over him. It says in Zechariah 12, 10, and I will pour out on the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, a spirit of grace and pleas for mercy, so that when they look on me, on whom they have pierced, they shall mourn for him as one who mourns for an only child and weep bitterly over him as one weeps over a firstborn. God says he's going to pour out his Holy Spirit upon our Jewish brothers and sisters. And many of them who are currently in unbelief and blinded and veiled to the Messiah will have their eyes opened 
and they will mourn as mourning for a child over him. I want to submit to you that as for the timing of this event, it may very well be that it is somewhat indicated in this parallel story of Joseph. Because remember, as to when this happens on the timeline of the tribulation that's currently happening in Egypt, Joseph is busy helping serve people, helping them eat and survive in the midst of the current famine. That is a seven year tribulation. I want to submit to you that just as he in the midst of the tribulation here is revealing himself, his full identity to his brothers. So Yeshua reveal his identity to his brothers in Israel. We read in Genesis 45, 6, for the famine has been in the land these two years, and there are yet five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvest. And notice how Joseph's response to his brothers is so unexpected. I mean, just think about this. If if this happened to you and these brothers are standing before you who ruined your life, that's a great opportunity to take vengeance. But Joseph, the Holy Spirit's love fills him and he has unimaginable mercy and love on his brothers and he forgives them and he blesses them. In fact, takes care of them and saves them from the tribulation, from the famine that they are all in. And I want to submit to you that we should be careful to point the finger and condemn people whom Yeshua is still out to save. There are still many people in this world, whether Jew or Greek, who Yeshua is going to be saving. And many of them will be saved in the midst of the coming great tribulation. There will be a great falling away indeed, as it is prophesied, but there will also be a great harvest because as it is written, he will pour out his spirit on all flesh. Sons and daughters will prophesy, dream dreams. There will be miracles, blood and fire and smoke. And as these miracles happen, there will be many who receive his Holy Spirit, just as there are many who will fall away. There will be a polarizing world of light and darkness and no more middle ground. This is also how Yeshua calls us to be just as Joseph had mercy on his brothers and forgave them despite that incredible sin that was done against Joseph. And just as Yeshua forgave us and will continue to forgive many who come in repentance, so we ought to have mercy on our enemies. But notice what Joseph tells his brothers. He says, do not fret. For this is all according to the father's plan. And he says in Genesis 45, 5. Now, do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here for God sent me before you to preserve life. We sinned. We fell short of Yeshua's glory. We, in fact, have been responsible for his death on the cross for us all. But just as Joseph said, God turned this all around to fulfill his perfect purposes. So God turned everything around done against Yeshua for God's purposes and to fulfill his master plan 
for the world, the plan of salvation. And in Joseph's case, it was actually to even fulfill the great promise made to his father, Abraham, to bless his seed. Joseph has now been exalted into a great place in Egypt and the Pharaoh of Egypt will be blessing Joseph's brothers and family and seed so that God's promises can be fulfilled. That promise of God that would ultimately lead to David being born and the descendant of David, Yeshua, the Messiah himself. Joseph being betrayed by his brothers here in some ways is what caused Yeshua to be born thousands of years later. In a strange way, it is even in the midst of our sins that God's plan can flourish, because even though God is not a sinner nor has ever done evil, he is so far high above our thoughts and ways that he can turn all evil we've done or that's been done against us around for the most beautiful and precious thing ever. It's almost like if Satan tries to inflict a plan of destruction to to prosper his kingdom of darkness, that God destroys his kingdom tenfold and reverses the curse tenfold. But Joseph speaks further to his brothers and says, I have been sent to preserve a remnant before you, to preserve a life. In other words, he has been exalted by the father in order to prepare for the famine and provide for the people to save them from the tribulation. In the same way, Yeshua has sent us ahead to prepare the way for his second coming, to set apart a remnant for him and prepare many survivors for his second coming. For by the time that he stands as judge and king before us all, we can have under our wings many disciples to present to him that we have saved from the famine that is upon and will be upon this earth. The famine that is a famine of the word of God. See, the famine is to not know the father, the famine is to not understand his ways. But Joseph, equipped with a relationship with his father, is able to give bread to all of Egypt. And so with your relationship with your father who is in heaven, he has given you the manna that is Yeshua, Jesus himself, to give to all the people so their hungers can be satisfied so that they can have a bread that they will eat and never go hungry for again. That is to have eternal life evermore. Father, I ask that you would allow us to enter into eternal life and allow us to play a part in bringing that eternal life to other people all around in this world. Help us to not only be prepared for the famine, to have our storehouses full of provisions that is full of you, Yeshua. Father, I pray, Lord, that you would grow us in our relationship and intimacy with you so that we can be prepared. 
pray all this in the name of Yeshua. Brothers and sisters, I want to submit to you that our preparation for his coming is not physically firstly. It's not to have our physical bread. It's for us to have our spiritual bread in our storehouses. That is what is going to qualify us before our Father. I hope this teaching has blessed you. And I want to say a special thank you to our partners who have made this teaching possible and every other teaching this month. Many, many blessings and shalom to you.